0: Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Amos chapter 3 from the World English Bible. Hear this word that Yahweh has spoken against you, children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up out of the land of Egypt, saying, I have only chosen you of all the families of the earth. Therefore I will punish you for all your sins. Do two walk together unless they have agreed? Will a lion roar in the thicket when he has no prey? Does a young lion cry out of his den if he has caught nothing? Can a bird fall in a trap on the earth where no snare is set for him? Does a snare spring up from the ground when there is nothing to catch? Does the trumpet alarm sound in a city without the people being afraid? Does evil happen to a city and Yahweh hasn't done it? Surely the Lord Yahweh will do nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord Yahweh has spoken, who can but prophesy? Proclaim in the palaces at Ashdod and in the palaces in the land of Egypt, and say, Assemble yourselves on the mountains of Samaria, and see what unrest is in her, and what oppression is among them. Indeed, they don't know to do right, says Yahweh, who hoard plunder and loot in their palaces. Therefore the Lord Yahweh says, An adversary will overrun the land, and he will pull down your strongholds, and your fortresses will be plundered. Yahweh says, As the shepherd rescues out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be rescued who sit in Samaria on the corner of a couch and on the silken cushions of a bed. Listen and testify against the house of Jacob, says the Lord Yahweh, the God of armies. For in the day that I visit the transgressions of Israel on him, I will also visit the altars of Bethel, and the horns of the altar will be cut off and fall to the ground. I will strike the winter house with the summer house, and the houses of ivory will perish, and the great houses will have an end, says Yahweh. That is the end of chapter 3. In this section of Amos's prophecy, Yahweh makes it clear he is talking to the whole family— Of Israel, again referring to the birth of the separate nation, as it were, when they were delivered from Egypt spectacularly. Then in verse 2, he says he chose them. But notice this doesn't mean they didn't have the option of how to respond to that. In fact, their response is the whole problem. You might also compare this to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 70. That is seven zero, where Jesus says he chose the twelve, and one is a devil. The choosing was the same for all twelve, but the response was not. Deuteronomy seven verses six through ten also talks of Yahweh heaven having chosen Israel. And then in verse 11, he says, therefore, you shall keep the commandments, which we know they didn't. And hence verse 12, where it says, if they keep them, they will be blessed. And then if you go on to Deuteronomy eight nineteen, it says, if you forget and walk after other gods, you're going to have problems. This isn't a childish, innocent forgetting or negligence. This is a flaunting rebellion, choosing not to keep them in mind, kind of forgetting, kind of like um, when Josiah found the abandoned words of God in the temple because they had forgotten about them because they had neglected them so long. Then in Amos chapter 3 again, verses 3 through 6a, things are leading up to what God says in verse 6b. There are things that even they, these rebellious people, know are inseparably true, using examples of creation around them. So he begins with the idea of two walking together by agreement, which is what he is asking of them, but then moves on to examples of lion taking prey, birds being snared, and cities under attack. It's always worth a reminder about the use of the word evil in a context like this, where it's talking about Yahweh doing it, that this means bringing trouble or hardship, not moral evil or wickedness. Verse 7 says that Yahweh doesn't do anything without revealing it, but he is referring back to the first part of the verse where he's warning about destruction. He says he doesn't bring destruction without warning about it. Now, he does reveal other things, like in John fifteen fifteen, where Jesus is talking to his disciples and t- telling them they're now friends, and all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. And then also Daniel 2, talks about God. He's telling Nebuchadnezzar that God reveals deep and secret things. And Isaiah 45, 19 says that God has not spoken in secret so as to make seeking him a vain thing getting on to verse 9 of Amos chapter 3, here he brings up two main adversaries of Israel to come and see how bad Israel is. Ashdod refers to the Philistines who have been one of Israel's main enemies. And of course, Egypt was where they escaped from and also has been an enemy and an ally, usually an ally when it wasn't supposed to be. So these enemies of Israel are invited to look and see that things are in a tumult and there is oppressing beca- oppression because the Israelites don't know to do right. The context here and elsewhere is that this lack of knowledge is their own fault for rejecting God and his law that teach what is right. Jeremiah 4.22 expounds on this. The New King James version of that verse says, For my people are foolish. They have not known me. They are silly children, and they have no understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. In verse 12, we have this gruesome example of only finding remnant pieces of a lamb in a lion's mouth being used to describe the thoroughness of their destruction. But then he goes on to mention this happening to the indolent, oppressive rich who have already been spoken of. They are corrupt. Uh, In chapter 2, 6, it talked about them selling the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair pair of sandals. So this is ill-gotten wealth, to put it politely. Then in verse 14, where it says to visit their transgressions, this is a way of saying to bring due justice for their willing lives of wickedness. And this includes those infamous altars at Bethel. Recall that when Jeroboam became the first king of the northern kingdom when it was divided, he built these altars because he didn't trust God to keep his promises and he didn't want the people of his kingdom going to Jerusalem to worship the true God. And then right away, a prophet came and predicted their destruction. And this all happened in 1 Kings 13 and would have been about 975 BC. And then Josiah, per the prophecy, did destroy them in 2 Kings chapter 23, and that was around 623 BC, which is about 352 years later. But Amos is at about 788 BC, so there's still another 165 years to go until this prophecy is fulfilled. As for winter and summer houses, and also houses of ivory, in Jeremiah 36, it gives an account of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, being in his winter house and burning a scroll of Jeremiah's prophecies in the fire in his hearth. Then 1 Kings twenty-two thirty-nine 39 mentions the ivory house that Ahab built. Whatever exactly it means to build an ivory house, Amos is referring to real residences here. This is not just figurative language. You might wonder about the faithful followers of Yahweh still in the land at the time. I know I did because throughout Scripture, amidst the corruption, we see snatches of them from the 7,000 that Yahweh told Elijah he still had to Huldah the prophetess in Josiah's time to Daniel, who was taken captive to Babylon. It may seem unfair that they also suffered when they weren't part of the wickedness, but consider this. First of all, Many people were already suffering greatly with these corrupt rulers and from the wickedness going on around them. There may have been some relief available to them when the adversary overran overran those who were ruling in such corruption. Indeed, at the end of 2 Kings, we hear that the poor were left to tend the land, which was quite possibly a step up or at least a release from the previous wicked rule. However, the plunderers were often extremely violent, and as we have seen from other things that Yahweh accused them of for being so violent and said they would suffer justice for, so it wasn't all peaches and cream. Yet, we also have examples of people prospering and being exalted under foreign rule, as well as trusting God for the promises to come, as in a Messiah and His future kingdom. It is a reminder that our life here is but as the grass of the field, and the only lasting worth is in our eternity with our God and Savior. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey.